This is your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, and you are listening to Season 4 of the Floor Rejects Podcast, The Wells House Phenomenon. Welcome back to the Floor Rejects Podcast. As always, I am your friendly neighborhood reader, writer, arithmetic person, Jonathan. And last week, Warren returned to the Wells house. Um, His plan did not go the way it was supposed to, and he ended up confronting a little bit Edward um, Thomas, pretty much confronting the reality that he is now stuck here, that he has changed the way that this deal works, and now he can't even leave the property. So without further ado, let's get into the latest chapter of the Wells House Phenomenon. Chapter 28, Changes. When Warren wakes up, the house is quiet, and the creaking of the floorboards is the only thing that accompanies him as he sneaks from the bed and Edward, dresses, and heads to the kitchen on impulse. When he arrives, he finds Lila there sitting at the table, sipping a hot cup of tea. Good morning, Lila, he greets cheerily, and she looks up at him with what could only be described as disinterest. She doesn't say anything, and when he looks around the room, he has a strange feeling that something was different. There's eggs and bacon in the fridge, Lila mutters into her cup. Warren does his best to cook a mess of a breakfast. His daytime brain had a small flutter, a thought that this wasn't normal, like a recovered memory of another world where he wasn't responsible for his own meals. But the thought fades as he burns his first few strips of bacon and rushes to clean the mess, while Lila looks over at him with disdain. Finally, he serves a generally acceptable plate of eggs and bacon to the table, and she looks at him with a borderline sneer. Looks great, she says, and Warren feels discomfort in the way she says it. He seats quietly, and when the two brothers join them, Warren senses tension now between all of them. He can't seem to pinpoint memories that would contradict this, but he knows somewhere in his mind that this wasn't the way it always was. He finishes his food and washes the dishes, making sure to do the pans and plates from preparing as well when he catches Lila looking at them. I guess I'll go out and explore, Warren says, his energy drained from the others in the room. You could join me. Edward suggests, and Warren declines, more keen on the idea of getting away from this energy. Outside, he can feel the sunlight changing his mood. He finds a quiet spot in the lawn down from the house and lays out, letting the blades tickle his arms and back as he reclines, fine with soaking up the heat of the summer sun. While he lays there, he tries to place his strange, swirling thoughts and feelings, but he can't seem to still his mind enough to remember whether things had changed or not. Suddenly, as if the sun had set, his body cools and the light behind his closed eyelids dims. He peeks up and finds a hulking figure standing over him. Edward kneels, smiling genuinely at him as he waved a hand over Warren's face. Seriously, I think it's starting to mess with my mind, the now-complete Warren mutters, his brain coming into laser-sharp focus in the whispering grass. Wouldn't surprise me. We never have to do this much memory work. Usually, you're kinder, simple manipulations. Edward tells Warren, who scoffs. How am I that much work for you? I'm nothing special, he says with a hard laugh. You'd be surprised how special your situation is. But enough on that. What's the plan? Edward asks quickly, looking up towards the house with a small glint of panic in his eye. I couldn't really tell you. 
Thomas is planning something with my phone, but I'm afraid that talking about it too much will end up ruining it. Right now, he has the reins. I'm just floating around here and waiting, Warren says, which was a lie as much as it was the truth. He knew what Thomas was planning, but the hope was that his lack of involvement in the specifics would get him by. Warren, you need to tell me. I can help. My mother trusts me. She doesn't trust Thomas. She only is keeping him around because she has to. He was a part of the deal when it was struck. Edward persists, but Warren shakes his head. I promise. I just know it has something to do with my phone, he admits, to which Edward settles a tiny bit. He flops down across from Warren, his massive body still blocking the sun. Warren takes one look at his bulging thighs and closes his eyes again before his libido starts to get him in trouble. He lays back down. Warren, please talk to me. I feel like there was a chance for something real between us, and even if it only lasts a day or two, I need to know you feel it too, Edward says, and Warren can feel his blood simmering. He leans up and calmly looks back at the house. He sees no one, and so he feels safe enough to speak up. Edward, there's nothing between me and you. You are a demon who showed up here to trick me into furthering your family line. You arrived here with the express purpose of using me up like a bar of soap until I could give your mother what she wanted. Do you really expect me to believe, after all that I've seen, that you're here to help me? That you want me? Warren clamps his mouth shut, unsure where his outburst came from, but knowing that everything he said was true. Edward shrinks down, crawling closer to Warren, whose blood was now an outright boil as all of his hurt began to shine in his mind like so many new tender scars. I know, but I I know you now. I need you now. I don't know what's going to happen to me after you. It's like you showed up here and all of a sudden I don't know what's right anymore, he says, and Warren has to hold in a bitter laugh. You only need me now, because you've never been turned down. I know what you are, what all of you are. You could have stopped this. You all could have, but you don't. Only Thomas. Thomas was brave enough and kind enough to try to help me. I was defenseless against you all, confused and trapped, and he wanted to help me. You didn't until you saw him helping me. You are an apex predator, Edward. You can't just stand the idea of being outsmarted by your prey. Warren claps a hand over his mouth at the truth of his statement. Edward nods slowly, looking at him with an unreadable expression. If that's how you feel, I really am sorry, he says, and as Warren opens his mouth to say something more, the hand again swipes in front of his face, and suddenly his mouth is slack, and he leans back into the grass, his mind calm but only on the surface, like a whirlpool about to form. I'll see you at dinner, lover, he says, getting up and walking away as Warren smiles dumbly after him. He barely moves the rest of the day, avoiding the house except to go in for a glass of water which he brings back out with him to the lawn. He didn't want to be in the house, and he was sure there was something wrong, but as dinner time approaches, he knows there's no choice. He returns and is happy to see that Lila is cooking because he had no idea how to prepare a full meal, but when they sit down to eat, it's completely an edible slop that Warren is so disgusted by that a few bites in, he has to excuse himself to his room. When he shuts the door, all the noise in his mind takes over, and he almost can't think with all the memories and changes whirling just under the surface of his consciousness. While laying on his bed, trying to calm his mind, one thing stands out to him. Thomas. The man was the only consistent thing in his memory. He was always kind, but quiet. He was standoffish, but never cruel, and at least that Warren could remember while his head was pounding, and he closed his eyes for a moment to try and find some semblance of peace, but before he knew it, he was asleep. When his eyes opened, he was alone. He wasn't used to this, but he preferred it as he snuck to the front door and out into the night. He ran the path back to the campsite, but found that Thomas wasn't there. 
Eventually, though, as Warren gathered sticks and logs to try and make his own fire, Thomas appeared at the edge of the clearing, disheveled but silent. Jesus, you scared me, Warren yelps, and Thomas sits down heavily. What's wrong? Warren asks. Thomas sighs. I tried to send your friend a message today, but the number wasn't there, and then by the time I realized I couldn't type her name into the phone, I was so confused, and I... I... Thomas trails off as the realization hits Warren. He remembers and explains that he hadn't programmed her number into his phone. He'd faked it so she would leave. Thomas lets out an exasperated sound, his body rolling down and onto the ground. Now what? Warren asks, and Thomas shrugs after a few moments of thinking. I'm fresh out of ideas. I guess you could give me other names to search in the phone and we could try them, but I don't know if they would actually come out here. Would they? He asks, and Warren shakes his head. A thought occurs to him. How come Lila hasn't told me I can't leave yet? Warren asks, and Thomas looks at him grimly. I don't think she plans on you having the option, he retorts, and at that, with all the memories of the demon in her full glory, Warren shivers in the hot night air. So maybe I should just give in, at least have a nice daytime life, Warren suggests, and Thomas springs up. No, we will find another way, I know it, I just think we need more time for thinking, the excited demon says, but Warren shakes his head. She's already letting the facade slip, she's not going to hold out much longer, Warren says, and Thomas nods, and he wonders for a moment before voicing a last-ditch idea. What if we get her to release you, Thomas asks. She's not going to. Warren says disdainfully. She might if you give her something she wants. Thomas tries, but Warren waits for him to explain. Maybe, since you're a young, virile man, she might make a new deal with you. Maybe if you bluff her, she'll allow you to make a better deal. Thomas tries, and Warren is unsure. I mean, tell her you'll leave if she doesn't give you what you want. Maybe if you give her a little of your time willingly, and she'll try. At least give you some time on the outside world, Thomas says, and Warren shakes his head. I can't do it, Thomas. I just know she won't let me do it, Warren says, and Thomas smiles. Not if you don't give her a chance, he returns, and Warren is curious at the possibility. Say we go down to the gate and somehow your memory comes back, and then somehow you get her down there and threaten to break the pact, Thomas continues, and Warren shrugs, still unsure. Won't she know? I haven't done it yet. Why would I all of a sudden decide to break the pact? Warren asks, and Thomas smiles. Because you'll have all your memories and the option to actually get out. I will get the gate open, I will get you down there, and I will make sure nothing can go wrong, Thomas tells Warren, who nods after a few moments of contemplation. Fine, but this is the last chance, Thomas. There's no way I'll have another option after this, Warren says, and Thomas nods, leaning down towards Warren, pulling him up. I heard what you said to Edward on the lawn. Thomas says, his hand grabbing onto Warren's. How? We were all alone out there, Warren asks, and Thomas smiles broader. Then his body shimmers and disappears. Like this, he says from his invisible place, and then Warren can feel Thomas pressing up against him, pulling him to stand before kissing him, still invisible and sliding hands up Warren's back. Warren leans in, letting go of his allegiance to the older, deadlier demon brother who hadn't fought for him past one conversation. Warren pulls at the invisible man's shirt, clutching at him as their mouths open to each other. You are so special, Warren. Thomas mutters back into Warren's cheek, phasing back into the world. I'm not, Thomas. I'm just a regular human, Warren says weakly as Thomas trails a hot finger up his chest. 
Thomas kisses him again kindly, soft and trembling, while smoke swirls up around their feet. You, Warren Wells, are anything but regular, Thomas says, pulling back and fading away as Warren wakes up. Okay, we are back. What do I like about this chapter? Well, there are several things I like. I like that we're getting towards the end of the story, and not because I want the story to end necessarily, but I think we're drawing to a pretty natural close. There's been a couple of failed attempts. We know that he doesn't really have much time left. Warren doesn't. And now they're turning to confronting Lila directly. And I think that's, I think that's probably the best thing for this story is to end it with a confrontation with Lila directly. Will he make it out? Will he not? We don't know. But we know that Lila is kind of the ultimate person to pass through and involving her directly in the story is really the only way to get a consistent, clear end. Because otherwise, if he gets stuck there and nobody confronts Lila, you'll always be wondering, well, what if he had just confronted her directly? I like that about this chapter. I like that their decision is to not I don't know if this is an offensive term, but they're not pussyfooting around. They are going to be direct with her and do their best to get Warren out of there, or at least strike up a better deal, because he kind of screwed himself with the deal that he made. Um, so I do like that about this chapter. I think I'm getting better also at deciding what to say and what not to say as far as Warren says, Edward says, Thomas says, just kind of using more diverse verbs in in that way and also relying less on their names and just kind of hoping that through the text you can infer who's talking um so i think that's exciting i i think i'm getting better at that i hope and i did while i was writing this chapter i was kind of feeling like oh this is this is how i want to feel while i was writing it this is how i want to feel writing this chapter and so i think it turned out better i was feeling less pressured and more inspired um I think next week will probably be, if not the end, um, the second to last chapter. So get prepared for the ending. It's coming. My cat is here to rub up against everything. Um, but I think it'll be exciting. I think it'll be interesting. On another note, if you've been around for a while, you know about the... Do you want to come up here, buddy? Hi, chicken. Sorry if you heard that. He bumped up against the microphone. If you want to... Uh, to read something in on paperback. I just released We Just Call It Love as a paperback version. It is $12.99, I think, um, and it's only priced that way because that's what Amazon said I had to price it at. So uh, if you want to read We Just Call It Love in paper, if you want it for your shelf, if you want to buy it and give it as a gift, if you want to support a small queer artist who's just trying to, you know, live his life. Um, you can go to Amazon right now. I know it's Amazon. I know that they're, they're the devil, but it's the only way I could publish. Um, you can go there right now, buy the book. It will print and go directly to you. Um, and I think that's exciting. It might also be exciting if you're one of the first people to buy it and you find some errors and you let me know because I've proofread it myself so many times. Um, but you can only proofread something so many times before you start you start to become kind of blind to the errors. Uh, but that's exciting. I did my best to kind of just write something up that was clear and concise for the back of the book. Um, but in either case, if you want to download that, if you want to read it, or um, 
it, it, any way that you want to consume that media, you can download it for your Kindle if you have Kindles, or if you have the Kindle app on your phone, you can also uh, buy the paperback version now. It's it's available. Um, and those are some ways you could support me if you wanted to. If you don't want to, that's okay too. I understand. Um, I guess next will probably be Drabble, which will probably have a different title when I release it, but I haven't come up with a title yet. Um, and it also needs to be edited a lot. So I think on my off time between seasons, I'll probably edit Drabble, give it a new title and end up releasing it as well. Um, so that's exciting too. But without all of that, I mean, without the support that I have from you guys, I don't think I ever would have done that. Even if it's just for me, if it's just for me to release it and say, I've published a story. I've done it now. I have published something, um, and I'd love for you to be a part of it. If you buy it, um, let me know. You know where my Twitter is. You know where my email is. Let me know that you've that you bought it. Um, it's called We Just Call It Love. It's from the first season of this podcast when we had crunchy audio and a little bit of a struggle. Um, but you can read along with me, or you can listen to it and then read it again, or you can do whatever you want. So. I just wanted to let you know that. Otherwise, this has been chapter 28 of the Floor Rejects podcast, season four, uh, The Wells House Phenomenon, and I've been your friendly neighborhood author. Either way, whatever you decide to do, do everything with love. Remember that Black Lives Matter. Remember to educate yourself and to do everything you can to fight for justice. Um, remember that there's lots of fights going on right now, but if all you can do right now is sit down and educate yourself on something you don't know about, I think that's good. I think that's something that we can all at least do so that we're doing our part. Anyways, thanks for listening or watching if you're watching this, although no one's ever actually watched the video version. Um, so if you want to do that, you can do that as well and see what I look like. Um, but thanks for consuming the content. I'll be back next week with either the ultimate or the penultimate chapter of the Wells House Phenomenon. Bye.